Welcome to Life on Less Meds, a podcast that reveals the truth about drug side effects and the best strategies to manage them. And now your host, Dr. Yosef Wittering. Hi, I'm Dr. Yosef Wittering. It is my pleasure to be joined today by Samantha. Samantha went through the foster system growing up and accumulated many medications. She suffered horrific withdrawals from benzodiazepines and is just feeling betrayed that she never really knew about the risks of these medications. And she has kindly agreed to come on and share her experience with uh, benzodiazepines and other medications and the foster system, which um, in my experience and as well as Samantha's, tends to be a place where kids accumulate a lot of medications quickly and often without the support that they really deserve, you know, because they have trauma histories and there's other things going on. So, Samantha, we've got a lot to talk about. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you for coming on. I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah, and and just and just uh and just kick it off for us, you know, wherever you want to start. Uh tell us how you ended up um on psychiatric medications in the first place? Well, um, I had a really horrific childhood. Um, just really, really bad. And I became suicidal. Um, mm -hmm. And so my, my father took me to the you know, psychiatrist who admitted me to a hospital and I was put on my first psych med, Zoloft. And... Um, my dad and his wife decided that I was making it up and there was nothing wrong with me. And I think they were kind of worried about, you know, the full, I think they were worried about me talking about what was actually going on. And, um, so I was removed from the hospital against medical advice and I was, I was struggling. I was. I was uh, really struggling, and so I reached out to Child Protective Services myself and asked for help, and they came, and they were able to remove me based on medical neglect, and um, I got started on benzodiazepines in my first foster home, so even if it was a good thing being taken from my home, like, it was still traumatic, you know, like, it's scary being in a new environment and you don't, you don't know what to expect. And so I was having a hard time sleeping. I would get up once or twice a night to use the restroom and my foster care provider who insisted that we call her grandma. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she decided that it was okay for me to be having trouble sleeping. So she called this psychiatrist who it seemed like every kid in the system was assigned to. And the psychiatrist had never met me, had never seen my face and prescribed temazepam for me to sleep. And I didn't know that it was habit forming. So like down the line when I was you know, forced to come off of it. Like I had so much trouble sleeping and I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. It's just. <sighs> and so what was it? Um, what was the follow-up schedule? Like when, when did you, when did you eventually meet this psychiatrist? I never did. What, what were the. I never did. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I went, I went uh, back into the hospital okay. and I went into like, an intensive residential facility. And that's when like the heavy medicating began. 
um, there were kids in there, like, I think it was ages 11 to 17. And we were all on really heavy medication. Like, I remember being put on Zyprexa at 15. Um, and then I was put on Clonopin for the first time at 16. Mm -hmm. um, and um, what was the rationale, you know, given to you? for why you needed to be on all these medications? I was mentally ill. I had depression. Okay. I was psychotic. Um, I had panic disorder. I had anxiety disorder. But really, like, you know, years out from it, I had trauma. I mean, who who okay. wouldn't react in, you know, who wouldn't have depression or anxiety if they were, you know, essentially tortured you know i just i feel like yeah. they didn't understand trauma and um you know sh sharing as little or as much as you'd like what had you been through just in broad strokes uh well my mother passed away in front of me when i was four and i was alone with her for approximately 12 hours and um then I went to live with my dad and his wife and I was sorry, it's hard to talk about. I was, uh, I was kept in essentially what was solitary confinement from like the ages of nine to 15. I was allowed to go to school. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, like I, I wasn't allowed to eat with my family. I had to eat by myself when I was allowed to eat. And we had food. It just, I was starved. And what did they tell you was, you know, and this can be so confusing growing up, you know, when you, when you realized that this was not normal and that, uh, and you, and you eventually reached out to CPS, uh, for neglect, I mean, what did your family tell you to, to justify, you know, keeping you isolated like that and treating you in that way? I was bad. Wow. Oh my God. I yeah. was, I was a bad kid because I was stealing food because I was hungry and that made me bad. Mm -hmm. So now when you, so when, so you're, you're in the foster system when you started interacting with the, with the prescribing do physicians, whether it was NPs or doctors, did you feel like they understood what was going on with you and that they understood where you were coming from and where your sy symptoms were coming from? You know, was it, were they using medications and, you know, informed about your history? What, what, what was it, what was it like? They, I don't think they really even knew the extent of what had happened to me because I, I didn't even really, you know, fully comprehend what had happened. I didn't really understand that it was abuse. And, you know, oftentimes when someone goes through, um, trauma, complex trauma, these types of things that span several years, um, the main therapies that we, you know, that we hope are done, are things like um, counseling, psychotherapy. W what did you receive in the way of um, uh, 
therapy and and all of that uh, through the system? Sure. So I I had a therapist um, when I was in the residential facility, and she was great. We mainly focused on my mom's passing. Um, and then when I left the facility and went into another foster home, I was working with a different therapist. And then like some of the, you know, maltreatment started coming out. And I started talking more about that. And um, it's just, it's taken such a long time for me to understand like what I'm dealing with and what happened to me. Um, it wasn't until like, I think it was 2017, I started working with a, a different therapist who helped me kind of connect the dots between like what happened to me and what I'm dealing with now. And it was like, oh, you know, that's why I have so much trouble with food. Like that's what, because I was starved, you know, mm -hmm. I never, it, it sounds silly, but like I didn't connect the dots because it was just so compartmentalized. I just put everything into little boxes in my head and I'm just now like mm -hmm. starting to understand like when I've been triggered and what's going on. Like I'm able to sort of tease that apart now. How would you describe the quality of mental health, that uh, treatment that you get in the, in the foster system? Um, <laughs> it was, not great. I was, it was suggested that I do DBT and mm -hmm. my foster care providers said that they weren't willing to commit to taking me to DBT twice a week. So I didn't get mm -hmm. to do that. And, um, the psychiatrist I saw, you know, everything was, okay, let's put you on this med. Let's try this med. You know, everything was medicated. Um, there was no just being a regular kid and having regular emotions. It was just, oh, you're sad. Let's put you on another antidepressant. Oh, you're angry, antipsychotic. You're anxious, more clonopin, more Xanax. You know, it was just, it, it was like emotions weren't normal to have. Everything was pathologized. Yeah. And um, how much time did you get to spend? with your psychiatrist? 15 minutes, like every maybe couple months. Okay. And, um, okay, so you weren't able to do DBT and how frequently would you get to see your therapist and, um, and for how long would you be able to meet with them? Once a month for, or sorry, once a month, one, once a week for about 45, 50 minutes. Okay. Okay. Um, to me, that sounds pretty, pretty decent in terms of um, at least the psychotherapy. I mean. Um, Would have been better if she'd been a little more trauma informed. Ah, I see. So it feels like um, after you met, different therapists you learned that you had trauma and that it would have been more helpful to have someone who had that specialized training in helping you yeah absolutely okay um 
And so what was it like, you know, the, the working with the, the therapist who, who didn't have that specialized training, but was there for, was there for you every week? Um, it was, it was kind of confusing because I, I wanted to connect with her, but I was also afraid of connecting. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was, it was kind of confusing. And then she left um, maybe four or five months into meeting with her. So then I had a new therapist and it was like trying to build this brick wall that I had started, you know, building with the previous one all over again. And I just, I, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, was there a lot of turnover with the therapist that you worked with? Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of turnover, a lot. Like I've had so many therapists in the last 20 something years. And this, the one that I'm with now has been the longest. And I keep asking her, you're not going to retire, right? You're not retiring. Are you mm. sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And she's, I'm not, you know, Samantha, I'm not retiring. <laughs> I'm just, okay. I have that fear. Okay. And I mean, understandably, uh, from, from what you've gone through. And so how did you understand the role of medications when you started to accumulate them, right? You know, right at the beginning. I thought I needed them. They told me that I was depressed and that this medication would help me. Um, I was told I was psychotic and this medication would help me. I was told that I had panic disorder and this medication would help me. Mm-hmm. I just, nobody ever really suggested that or proposed that perhaps I, you know, was dealing with trauma, not necessarily a mental illness. And I think, I think sometimes trauma can manifest as depression and anxiety because i mean which is pretty normal i would think because like how does how do how did how would you i don't think I mean, you're going to you, respond normally to an abnormal situation you know what i mean yeah and i don't even know how you would end up in the foster system without some significant trauma um it should be right at the top of the list yeah it, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> okay. And did they help you? Yes, in terms of I I I stayed alive. Okay. I I stayed alive. Mhm. Um and Okay, so it seems like, yes, the medications were dispensed for trauma symptoms um, and it helped you stay alive at least for a period of time, but then... Oh, do you mean the medications the... or the foster care system? Oh, the, oh no, the, the, sorry, the medications. I was asking, were there benefits to the medications? Mm. 
you know, I, I really don't think so. I really don't. Um, I mean, the benzodiazepines helped with the anxiety and, you know, different medications I've been on have made me feel better for a little while. But, I mean, I've been on dozens of medications and I I haven't responded well to like anything. So I would have to say mostly no. Okay. And when did it dawn on you that all of these medications that were given to you for the trauma that led to you being in foster care, um, that they weren't helping you and they might actually be causing harm? When I began noticing issues with my memory and when I started having withdrawals, I had never, never misused my medication. I only ever took what was prescribed. And I noticed like one time I didn't have my prescription with me and I was spending the night at a friend's house and I went into full on withdrawals. Like I was shaking, my heart was racing, I was sweating and I was, you know, oh my gosh, what's going on? What's happening? And then I'm like looking for my medication thinking, okay, you know, I'm having an anxiety attack. And I start Googling my symptoms after I realize I don't have my medication. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having a withdrawal, I think. And, um, and what benzodiazepine were you taking at the time when that happened? At that time, Xanax. Okay. And how, how much were you on? At that time, I think I was prescribed um, probably two milligrams per day. PRN, but I was, I mean, I was taking them like every day. Okay. Um, and okay. So, so that's how you felt during withdrawal. When did you first tell me about when you first started noticing that the Xanax was impacting your memory? Well, I work in childcare and I've always been great with names. Like I would meet a kid once and then six months later, you know, I would still rem- remember their name and people were like, Oh, how do you, how do you remember these names? I'm like, I don't know. I just have a good memory. And then I started noticing I'd meet the same kids over and over and I couldn't remember their name. And that was kind of what made me start to notice that, okay, I'm having memory issues and it's just progressively gotten worse and worse. Um, I'm having conversations with my child and like, they don't, you know, I, I forget that I've had the conversation and he's, he's like, mom, we, we already talked about this. I'm like, good. It's just, it's, it's really disheartening. Yeah. And I was never warned that this could happen. What was it like? the journey to prepare to coming off the Xanax after you realized that it was harming you? Um, well, I was on four and a half milligrams a day <laughs> and I was having interdose withdrawals and I just decided that I couldn't handle it anymore. So I finally, Finally, I went to my doctor and I, I told him what was happening because I'd heard horror stories of people rapid tapering 
and I didn't want to go through that. Um, so I finally told him, you know, I'm, I'm having withdrawals and he, <laughs> you know, actually I was on Xanax and Valium at that time, I think mm-hmm. <laughs> both of them. Um, I'm sorry. What was your question? <laughs> Memory. Oh, uh, well, you, you answered it because I was asking, you know, after you realized the problem, what did you do to prepare to come off? And you were just telling me that you sought a consultation with your psychiatrist okay. to talk about coming off. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like Swiss cheese. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so embarrassing. Oh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's okay. You're not alone, especially not on this channel with with the the people that I speak to. And the memory problems from the benzodiazepines are really well known. And I've heard of some people saying that they feel like they've lost like a decade of their life sometimes. You know, they, they look back at the time they were on it and it's like you said, Swiss cheese. You know, there's like little things here and there, but they, they yeah. don't really remember it. Yeah, even Which like it's, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Even in a conversation, I'm like, "Wait, what were we talking about?" It, yeah. It's it's so embarrassing. I was wondering, could you share any other particularly difficult moments that you've experienced as a mother, or maybe in your workplace, because of the side effects of the Xanax? Um. Hmm. I guess like just having to take this medication that, you know, I, I don't really want to take, but I have to, or I had to because I would start shaking and like that was, you know, I try to be very discreet with it, but it was just, it's embarrassing. It's hard to, you know, have be tethered to this, this pill, you know, it's like, I don't have a choice. I mean, I do have a choice, but it's like, I'm tethered to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And segue now, could you tell us what was it like coming off this annex? Um, well, so my doctor put me on Valium as well. So, I was on, he cut me down to three milligrams of Xanax, one milligram three times a day, and then 10 milligrams of Valium three times a day, which is a lot of medication. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually haven't had too, too much of a difficult time. It's just been, I think, um, cutting down on the Valium is, is hard right now because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm off the Xanax. I, I still have a prescription for it, like PRN. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but coming off the Valium has been hard. Like I just, I have a lot of like restlessness, like, okay. um, and that's been difficult. Like at bedtime, like I just, my legs and my, I just, like, I can't, just lay down like I'm just wiggling my foot I'm I'm you know I can't get comfortable um 
and I don't really know if that's because of what's going on with the meds or I don't know. Yeah, so so where are you at the moment with with your medications? Um, uh, mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, so with the benzos mm-hmm. or with like everything? Um, I guess with the benzos, and I guess then we'll talk about the other ones. Yeah, so okay. with, maybe with the Valium. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I think I'm on... Um, 10 milligrams in the morning, five milligrams at night. And then I have 0.5 milligrams of Xanax PRN okay. once per day. But I, I try really hard not to take that. Okay. And so you mentioned other medications. Um, and so, so what are the other medications that you're on? Um, I, I have my list right here cause it, it's, so um, Xanax, Valium, Gabapentin, Guspar, um, Premipaxel, Ketamine, or no, I'm not on Ketamine anymore. I just have that on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, Seroquel. Should I start over so we can? No, no, that's, no. that's all good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like the thing that I... <sighs> is sort of like, it doesn't make sense to me as I'm on a dopamine agonist and a dopamine antagonist. Like oh, the Seroquel and the Primaprexol. Yeah. yeah. So I'm on yeah. two medications that are kind of, you know, doing the opposite thing. Okay. And so I imagine the Primaprexol is for uh, depression. Yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't... I'm just taking it right now because I don't want to go through dopamine agonist withdrawal syndrome again. Uh, Mm -hmm. I tried coming off of it years ago and it was hell. It was absolute hell. I guess, you know, given that you've had such a negative experience with the, with the Xanax, how has that changed your perspective on some of the other medications that you're currently taking? Well, I've been watching your channel a lot. And you did a video on gabapentin and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. any. I didn't know it, that that could be why I've been having issues with my teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I've been, it makes me feel like I can't really trust my doctor. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I feel like I can't really trust him. And what was it about the way you interacted with your doctor previously? Um, so that now when you look back on those interactions, knowing more about the risks of the medications, you, you feel like you can't trust them. Well, I just, I feel like he betrayed me. I feel like he, you know, <laughs> At one point I was on one medication and I met, I said something to him like, you know, I, I was on a lot of meds and he goes, yeah, you were probably over medicated. And I'm like thinking to myself, you're the one who prescribed all of this to me. Um, it just, I feel, I just feel betrayed. Do you feel like your doctor over medicated you? 
Oh my gosh, yeah. He still does, I think. I, I really feel like like there's there have been times where I've I've seen him and he's like, Well, why don't we bump up this and I'm like, I, I don't think that's necessary. I don't think we need to do that. Um I think I'm just going through like a situational thing and he's like, Okay, well, you know, if you change your mind. Um and then, you know, there's been so many so so many doctors who've pushed me to get ECT. And that's like the one thing I refuse to ever do. Why do you think they have been pushing meds on you so much? I feel like it's, it's, it's easier to give someone a Band-Aid than to go in and clean out the wound. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, they're, the kickbacks, I think. Um, there was one time my doctor put me on Lamictal and I had someone with me and they, someone had come out before me that he'd seen previously and they were talking about this new medication he put them on called Lamictal. I remember like the um, mm-hmm. pharmacy or not the pharmacy, the like medication salespeople like coming in and visiting and I I looked him up and he's been you know wined and dined by various pharmaceutical companies and um I I think some of it's money yeah I think also it's just you know a way to get me to shut up (laughs) you know sometimes I suspect that's that's the case you know, when we have a very transactional mental health care system, you know, doctors are paid per unit. So it's like per person seen and uh, you get paid more for 15 minute visits than you would say for billing for a 45 minute visit with a, you know, psychotherapy add on. And so that it's the more people you see, the more you make for yourself, but also for the hospital and the clinic. Right. Right. Um, yeah. That's been, it's been 15 minute visits for the last <laughs> 20 years I've been with my doctor. Yeah. Just, yeah. And, um, and so I think, you know, someone comes in and they say, Oh my God, you know, I'm so unhappy. Um, I'm, I'm really not feeling well, you know, what's, what's faster. You could say, what's going on in your life? Tell me about it. And you essentially open the floodgates. Maybe the patient starts to cry. And then all of a sudden your schedule is off, you know, because Mm -hmm. it seems very um, rude and uncompassionate to kind of shoo someone out the door into the waiting room in tears. And so. Plus like, you know, people are going to think, Oh my gosh, what did he, what did he just do? You know, (laughs) he come out of his office crying it's yeah. not a good luck. Yeah. And so sometimes I think it's easier. You, you sidestep that. Oh, Sam, it sounds like your depression is getting worse. Maybe we should think yeah. about bumping up your dose. Yeah. It's a much cleaner, more kind of sanitized interaction that doesn't involve kind getting into the, the messiness of trauma mm. and the messiness of people's lives and 
And also what I think actually confronting the fact that, you know, no psychiatrist or, or therapist, they, a lot of them can't really do much to, to help people, especially when their problems uh, are complicated, you know, because sometimes yeah. people just have life hardship problems, breakups, divorce, you know, economic problems, um, yeah. things like that. And so there's also this powerlessness I think that some doctors have and, and, and they don't like to face that. And they say, well, you know, we've got this medication and it's going to help your biological condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's the thing. Is it really a biological condition? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like mm-hmm. I've been sold that this is a biological condition and I, I think maybe there's a chance that some of it is biological for me. But I think, for the most part, it's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah. So there's. I think there's a lot. There's a lot there that goes into how you would. You know why you were treated the way that you were. And you know now that you know all of. You know now now that you're looking at things in this way. I mean, what is your goal with your medications? long term I I would really like to get down to where I'm just like maybe taking one but the thing is I've been on medications since I was you know a child and I asked my doctor I said you know is it possible that I could even function normally without medications given that I've been taking them for over half my life and he he told me point blank I I don't know Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. And he's he's been like I was complaining to him about like the some of the anxieties that have been coming up for me and you know just having a hard time with the taper and he he actually was telling me that oh you know these medications aren't good long-term and um, you know, you can't just put a bandaid on on your problems. I'm like, you're the one who gave them to me. And I think the only reason he's saying that is because he got in trouble with, you know, Medicare. Um, Tell tell us about that. What, what's that uh, story? (laughs) Medicare turned my doctor into the board of medicine uh, for overprescribing benzodiazepines. So he's mm-hmm. been like cutting all of his clients off or well, weaning them off, I suppose, not cutting them off. Yeah. So like, it's this new, this new attitude. And I'm like, I just, I felt so offended. I, I was like, you know, this is kind of your fault in part. I mean, you're the one who had me on these, you know, I've been on Xanax since 2011. Like, and you're going to tell me that I can't, I'm not supposed to depend on medications and you're the one who put me on them. How about I'm, I'm sorry that I put you on these. Let me help you come off. I've never heard and I'm sorry. Yeah. And I love my doctor. He's, he's a great guy, but 
I just feel so betrayed. Yeah. Um, are you afraid that you're not going to be able to function without those medications? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what, what's going to, I mean, I, uh, I was on an MAOI for a little while and mm -hmm. I had to come off of, uh, I think I was taking Pristique mm -hmm. and I had to do a two week washout. Um, that was one of the most difficult two weeks of my life. And then coming off the MAOI because I was having reactions to it. And then I had to do another two week, you know, washout. I, I wanted to end my life. I was so, it was, it was just awful. It was just, it was awful. Hmm. And I'm, I guess I'm scared that I might have to go through that again. Yeah. I think, you know, with a two week washout, usually that's a very abrupt discontinuation. And I hope that that would never happen to you. If, you know, if, if this doctor is able to help you to do a, a gradual taper, um, that things wouldn't be so, um, I guess, disruptive and um, causing severe withdrawal sy symptoms like you went through. I, I don't think um, he understands like how to, you know, really taper someone off. Like recently I switched from Trintelix to Avelity and I mean, it was a pretty quick taper on the Trintelix. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's, it's really hard to say what symptoms are from what medication or if my symptoms were from going off of it. But I, yeah. like when I tried going off the Paxil and I was, um, I actually, I contacted him and I said, I can't, I can't do this. I, I can't do this. And he goes, oh, we'll just put you back on it. And then the next time I saw him, he goes, yeah, I think I probably took you off that a little too fast. And I'm like, you think? I just, I, I feel like it's sort of a, a guessing game, you know, with these medications. They don't, I feel like a lot of doctors don't really understand just how, powerful they are and, and what is it like for you as the patient when you realized that the doctors were great at putting you on the medications but when it came to understanding the side effects and helping you come off them safely that you realized that they didn't really know how to do those last two things what, what that what's that like for you disappointing they can they know how to put you on but they don't know how to get you off them you know they can prescribe these medications but they can't unprescribe them in you know a comfortable way or a way that and I, I mean they when I have had like genuine side effects to things I've even been told that they weren't side effects um I was taking Geodon for a long time. I was put on it when I was a kid. 
and I was having um, this symptom where my eyes would go up in my head. It's called uh, oculogyric crisis. Yeah. And I was complaining about it. I said, my eyes keep going in my head, up in my head. And then they said I was making it up. <laughs> wow. And then I had like the Parkinsonism type symptoms from that. And again, I was told, you know, you're making it up. And just it's just been, it's been a, it's been a, an adventure that I'd right. wish I, I had never really gotten started on. Well, let's talk about that, actually. Um, how do you wish you would have been treated when you first came in touch with the psychiatric practice or the mental health um, system? I wish they would have said, why are you depressed? I wish that first psychiatrist who saw me when I was 15 I wish you would have said, what's going on in your life? What's going on at home? You know, what are you experiencing in your day-to-day -day life? Are you being treated well? If he would have just asked me, you know, I don't know if I would have even been able to tell him, but I wish he would have, I wish anyone would have asked, what is going on in your life? Why? You know, what do you think is causing this depression? What do you think is causing these feelings of anxiety? I, I just wish before prescribing, they would have said, what's going on? Let's talk. You know, tell me what situation could be causing this. It's, it's, but it's not been that. It's just been, oh, you're having a hard time. Here's a prescription. It's, mm. And I, I think it's really sad when I have to tell my doctor, no, I don't think we need to go up on the meds. It's just been a hard week or a hard month or a hard couple of months. Do you think you can tell your doctor that you're having a hard couple of months and without them reaching for the pad or wanting to up the dose? No, I can because he, he got in trouble from yeah, yeah now now he's he's mm -hmm. a little bit more you know reserved with the prescription pad because yeah. he got you know reported to the board by medicare yeah and I, not your... to disparage him but that's just how i feel yeah no i mean it sounds like a complicated relationship because you said that you do like him uh, oh, you said you love him, you know, as, as a doctor, because it does seem like there are some very positive things about him as a person and that you recognize that, I mean, he's also working in a system that trains people this way um, mm -hmm. and, and, and all of that. And so, and the reality is, I mean, doctors want to help people. I know a lot of people listening to this right now and, and probably yourself included have had very negative experiences with doctors. That's kind of how you end up on this channel, but they do want to help. And, and a lot of times it is the training and it's the system. Some of them, right. Yeah. Some, some, yeah. some of them can be very arrogant and I've seen that as well. And, and just frankly harmful, but the majority of them, they do want to help and they just, they've, they've, they've 
they've very lost misguided. their way. Yeah, very misguided. Well said. Um, and so I think like mm-hmm. I think psychiatrists have have gone from you know treating people to just being pill providers. Like there's a, yeah. there's not so much of that you know counseling aspect like there there was a you know however many years ago before like the first psych med came on the market um well even back then it was treatments were pretty bad i i don't know i guess maybe Mm -hmm. psychiatry has always just been about let's see what works (laughs) i don't know yeah i have a lot of thoughts about kind of what's happening with psychiatry and sometimes I go, you know, it's, you know, I I feel like the incentive is perverse, you know, that, that you get paid per unit of time or encounter rather than, um, and this will sound crazy by outcome, you know, you know, I'll, I'll help you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure I help you, you know, be more functional, feel less depressed, like, and yeah. you know get get you off medications i mean that would be a much better offer but i i don't i see most people entering psychiatric care becoming chronic patients because that's what medications do you know you develop a tolerance to them and then you you need them and yeah. unless you've been helped in a way where you know one you've been able to work with this psychiatrist to to treat the underlying reasons why you needed the medications in the first place and then two they they taper you off in a safe way unless they do that and a lot of them don't because it's like you like you experience just 15 minute visits uh you become a patient for life yeah and that's that's not great that's not a great offer kind of for in like a business sense it should be i'm going to get you through this off medications and you'll never need to see me again how about that? Yeah. I mean, that to me, that sounds like there should be, you should get paid for an outcome like that, but that that's not the way our system works. Our, our yeah. system does not incentivize that. So there's a lot of things going on that are just not helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like a wrap up question that I usually like to ask on this channel and which is, you know, having been through what you've, you know, what you, what you've been through, how has your perspective on mental health treatment changed? Hmm. I guess I guess I wish I wish that like being human wasn't pathologized. I feel like that's sort of what mental health treatment has has done is it pathologizes being a human being, being sad, grieving, having anxiety, um, being afraid. You know, it's pathologize that to the point where you know if you go into your doctor and you say you know I'm really sad oh okay well here's the pill and I don't think it should be that way Mm -hmm. 
Well, Sam, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on and share your story. I'm sure there's people listening right now who can completely resonate with what you're saying and what your experience has been and you've helped not. them feel less. I hope well. nobody can, can, I, I, I wouldn't wish yeah. for anyone to be able to identify or, or, yeah. And that's, and that, yeah, but I, I understand, yeah, I, I understand the sentiment and, um, but for those out there that may, I guess I wanted to thank you and just say you help them feel less alone, uh, by sharing this story and that just, it means so much. Thank yeah. you. Before we wrap, was there anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about that's important to you and you'd like to share with the audience? Um, yeah, it's actually something a psychiatrist told me when I was about 16. He said medication will only get you about a third of the way there. He said the other two thirds, you have to do the work. You have to do therapy. You have to really work on, you know, your, your behaviors and your actions and reactions and I, I guess that's that's what I'd like to share. Medication yeah. is just a little bit of, you know, what treatment is. Yeah. Well, Sam, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. You as well. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to see the full video interview, we also post these to YouTube. Just go to Wittering Psychiatry on YouTube to find those. You'll also find several YouTube exclusive videos from doctors Yosef and Marissa posted several times a week. Finally, if you need help with your drug taper, getting a second opinion, or managing your post-acute withdrawal, come visit us at WittduringPsychiatry.com. Our sole focus is on helping patients regain control of their lives and achieve optimal mental health on as little medications as possible.